0: Truly, I think there's a, there's a craving for, of women wanting men to grow up and to become more mature. Women got lost in the process. They got exhausted. They got tired. Men got lost. You know, they became kind of like, you know, I mean, and Egypt is different. But if you look at the U.S., you know, many men, have been, it's like, it's, they're metrosexual you know, everybody's become because you can't really be a, a man anymore because if you're a man, you're being toxic. So there's also that concept of like, no, you, you know, if you connect to some of that need, for example, every now and then to fight. We, talk, we were talking about the, that innate desire for the guys to like, just like you were kids or teenagers to just, to just fight. And, and if we repress that, well, guess what? It's going to come through at some point. With your wife, with your colleagues, in your body, it's going to be cancer. It's going to be chronic illness. Right? You're going to snap at somebody. Look in the U.S. You're going to, you know, people. These mass shootings that we were talking about earlier. All of that, I think, is the result of that not being like that blurriness in like what what am I? Right. Bigger.
1: Yeah, I just have one thing to add. Uh, I mean, thank you for that. Um, bringing it to light, like to, to, for me to uh, sit and reflect on what it means, you know, this this overlap between the wife and the mother. Um, I don't know about the rest of the women here, but it created some friction in me, I have to say. Like this feeling of like, no, you know. <laughs> like, so so the thing is, like, I think what uh, why it created that within me is because it feels like sometimes you're stuck in that role. And, and what, uh, Pierre, you were saying, like one of the things that most men have difficulty with is being seen and I think just generally human beings one of the things that we find to be the most profound is when you're actually really witnessed you know by someone else like like to really be who you are and it's so easy to get stuck in roles you know and the mother role is just such a dangerous one it's just so it sticks you know and and when that happens i see it i see it in myself and i see it all around me like how we get so stuck in that that we we don't know how to be ourselves anymore you know we don't know how to show people the other aspects of who we are you know and so really like to to allow people to just be the fullness of who they are by just just the fluidity of that, you know, like yes, you can be maternal. Of course, everyone is. A, you're maternal to the animals that you have in your household, for example, and to everything else, you know. But um, but to just have a fluidity around it and a spaciousness is is very important, you know, to just be able to be who you are, you know, in whichever present moment is, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so there's this concept. Um, And there's this book that's very interesting to read called the alter ego and what that's that what you're describing is alter egos so We feel like I need to be this person when I'm at home and I feel like I need to be this person when I'm at work and I feel like I need to be this person when I'm with my with my boys and in between it there is secrecy and there is quite frankly lack of authenticity and that is in itself a form of escapism because what you're escaping is your true self and you've been told that you cannot be 100% of who you are in all of these situations because that's wrong and a manager doesn't behave like that and a subordinate doesn't ma- behave like that and a CEO doesn't behave like that and a father doesn't behave like that. And And through all of these stories, you're losing a bit of yourself in every single story that you tell yourself, you you choose to tell yourself. And the reality is, at the end of the day, this is all part of programming. This is all part of how we've been programmed to not be 100% authentic. A lot of the work I do with leaders at the moment has to do with authentic leadership which is basically, and this is something that's come up after the lockdowns and corona and all of the stuff that came out of it. How can I just be myself with people? Why is it wrong for me to just be myself when I'm, with my, when I'm a CEO and I have you know, 300 people under me? Why can I just show up wearing this comfortable, being myself and speaking my opinions and being vulnerable and being able to talk about my emotions to people and how I'm feeling? Why is it wrong? Why is it all of a sudden a sign of weakness? That is very, very important for us to understand the source of this multiple identities that we feel like we have to have in our day-to-day lives with our wives, with our children, with whoever, like we have to be somebody else. And there's a lot of healing in bringing all of these identities together in one to understand this is the scope of who I am And this is who I am in all of these situations. There's a lot of healing in that. Because at the end of the day, what's going to happen is you're going to feel like you're saying seen. You're going to feel approved for everything that you are. And that's at the end of the day what everybody wants. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be approved. Everybody wants to be loved for who they really are. So I'm not somebody to say there's right or wrong. Absolutely not. But I'm just saying there is something to look at when you think about that. I'll give you an example, two examples. One example is some of the athletes that I work with, professional athletes. There's this thing in the professional world where they create alter egos in their performance that is completely not themselves. So a lot of the players like Cristiano Ronaldo and people like that that have this image in front of the camera but when people look into their real life, they're real people. But they're exemplified in the court like somebody that is a saint, right? And you will see certain practices, like Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, when he stands up to kick the ball and he's, he looks like this, people make fun of him all the time. But that is actually a taught trigger for him to personify that person to himself. Now the problem is, where, where this is amazing while they're performing, Where the problem is, is at the end of their career, when they're about to retire, now they don't have that alter ego that was making them this amazing person at the top. And that's why something like 90 or 95% of athletes end up homeless and without money and squander all all of their lives, because they've been living up to this alter ego their whole lives. And one day, when they have to face themselves, they realize that that's not the truth. So this is a little bit of a, of a higher example of what it is. And when we bring it down to the normal everyday life, you can start realizing how much that can affect you. The other thing is this idea of me marrying my mom. OK? By the way, this is a very, very huge topic in the world of psychology. It's called the, it's called the Oedipus complex right, is that at the end of the day, we marry, this is a theory, not my theory, that we do end up marrying our mothers, okay, I know this is triggering to a lot of women, look at her, she's looking at me like, but I'll give you an example of myself, so I've been married, damn, I'm gonna get in trouble, I've been married uh, 13 years, okay, last year, um, we almost ended up in a divorce. We couldn't see a way to move forward. And if anybody, if you guys know my relationship with my wife to the outside world, we looked like the perfect couple. And what was going on is exactly that problem, is that without consciously doing it, I was seeing her as my mom, and without consciously seeing it, she was actually seeing me as a combination of her dad and her mom. And what that was creating was it was bringing up all the triggers that I haven't resolved in my life from my relationship with my mother. And that relationship of her, the unconscious relationship of her being that person was bringing up all of these triggers that was putting me in this vicious cycle that I was telling you about that I couldn't get out of. I could not get out of. Every time she'd she'd just open her mouth I'll be like, anger, I can't do this anymore. And it was the same thing with her. But the way we were communicating it to each other was completely different. I was angry. She went into her own shell. And eventually there was no conversation. There was no talking. There was no anything like there used to be. And it affected all the angles of our marriage. So do i think that that is a profound way to look at your marriage yes i do because there is reason to believe that what we do when we develop relationships and when we develop any relationships friendships marriages whatever it is best friends we are always projecting something from inside and we're and if you look at it as that kind of relationship these triggers become an opportunity for you to work on something in yourself And so if my wife says something that makes me really angry, it's an opportunity for me to take this, or my kids, or anything. It's an opportunity for me to take this unconscious reaction and bring it into my consciousness and think, why is this triggering me? And eventually, if it's your wife or if it's your kids or if it's whatever, you will find the connection to what's happened with your mom or how you've been taught to parent, how you've been taught to have a relationship. Because at the end of the day, this term that we talk about that is intergenerational trauma, that's what it is. It is stories that are being carried on generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. Addictions, abuse, all of these things are carried on. And if you're very honest with yourself, you look at your, you look at your relationship with your father, and you will be probably exemplifying what your father was. And if you ask your father, he will pre- probably be exemplifying what his father did, and his father did, and his father did. And this is carried on until somebody someday sits in a place like this and decides I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to consciously heal. I'm going to consciously be better. Right? And then eventually. You can start using these little things, these little triggers, to understand how this is the beginning of the journey. How can I, how can I change this within me? How can I choose to be the person I want to be, rather than be the person that I've been programmed to be, that's acting unconsciously and subconsciously? Thanks. So, uh, so
0: let let me, let me just add very briefly to that, and and then give you the mic. For any man here, was like no, it's okay, it's not me, we're thinking again. Right? Unless you've been doing this work, consciously, right, and working and exploring, I'm telling you, that's the case for everybody. Every man has a responsibility and a duty to take a step back and to look at his relationships, right? especially with his partner. right? And how often, the question is not, are you projecting stuff on your wife? The question is, how often are you doing it? This is the question. right? How much of your mother are you projecting on your wife? And the next question is really, okay, once I become aware of this, understanding that this is not hers to heal. This is yours. This is your, I was going to say, right, uh, this is your shit. Own it. Own it, heal it. This is not for her to do the work. This is for you to say, okay, I'm aware of it. Now that I'm aware of it, where is the space where I can work on that? And I resonate with Arsalan in terms of, you know, a few years ago, same thing. Divorce was on the table because my wife had done the work. She saw these patterns. That was escaping me. I was like, what is she talking about? No, I'm not projecting my mom's problems on her. Oh yeah, no, actually I am, right? And she gave me an ultimatum. That was the best gift she gave me, she was like, hey, I'm tired of it. I love myself and I love you enough that I'm done taking it. So either you get better, either you heal it, or we're done. Because we cannot continue here, right? Repeating these unhealthy patterns, both for ourselves and also because guess what? This is what we're teaching our kids and our kids are seeing us do that and that's not okay. And so for me, there was a sense of like, this is my duty as a, as a husband. This is also my duty as a father. To be able to model that and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to work on myself. And I'm going to become better. And if at some point, because you know I used to be yelled at as a kid and blah, blah, and, and so it was like, you know, this is how you teach respect, you know. And so I found myself, like many years ago, hovering over my six-year-old daughter and yelling at her. And I've f- like there's so much pain and guilt associated to it, right? And at some point, I had to find myself in a group where I was remi- I, I like it's it was almost a confession to say this I don't know why am I doing this I'm not okay with this and I had to take an oath to myself to uh, and and to my daughter I, I told her I will, I will never let my kids go to bed afraid again that's not okay but I needed that space to be able to be honest and that ultimatum was what I needed to say this is when it stops and this is when I it was time for me to start breaking that intergenerational cycle of like, unhealthy patterns, because my dad used to get yelled at, and his dad used to get yelled at. Like, generations of men in my family getting yelled at, right? because this is how you teach respect. This is not how you teach respect. This is, this is how you create pain, and repeat pain over decades. Right? So, so how often does it happen, and where is the space where you're going to do the work? That's the question for the men here.
3: Thank you, guys. Tamir, you wanted to add something to reflect on this?
4: Well, um, I think the main thing for, for emotions. Um, and I think for, for men, I, I totally uh, can understand where the questions came from. And I think I have been this into this at some point. And um, for me, it was uh, a bit hard at some point to say how I feel. Like saying I feel happy, I feel sad, I feel anxious, I feel uh, whatever I can say without my mind judging those feelings. Because that's automatically what happens with, uh, I, I don't want to say just men, it happens with everyone if they are not really taking responsibility for for their own feelings and how they can really heal from. So, I remember the first time I went to, like, kind of therapy and she asked me, how do you feel? It was really hard to say how I feel and what I said, what I think I feel. It's always your mind thinking how you feel and you try to put like a very, uh, nice you know uh, words to explain this feeling where there is not, nothing to explain it's just a feeling it's just sad it's just happy uh, angry anxious whatever it comes but I think that's for men more than women that we have been into a society where if we have expressed our feelings at some point, you might be judged from your parents, from the people around you, so then you want to behave in a proper way, so you don't really, so you started you to judge those feelings. And after a while, I lost this. So feelings are feelings uh, without any judge, in a way. And they are valid for anyone. Like, I might feel angry right now, and maybe all the people in the room, they don't know why I'm angry, or they don't really get it. But for me, it makes sense. It's valid. Um, I don't know if if this might make sense. Uh, And it took me, to be honest, it took me a while to be able to really say it uh, without judging my feelings, without thinking before, like, can I say I'm sad? Can I say I'm anxious? Can I say, is this OK or or, or not? The other thing is just the idea um, that I, I have been into it for, for a while. Um, um, the i would say the wife versus mother um i don't know if i can simplify it but there is a very fine line between like a wife that she can hold the space for her husband to feel his own feelings and to be able to express his own feelings without judging that without feeling or, or without freaking out that he is sad or he just wants to stay home today and not go to work or whatever and the fine line between uh, taking his responsibility like taking the responsibility for healing or for her to fix this and this is when it turns to be a mother for 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 m- in my understanding so you still can, as a, as a man or a husband, you still can express your feelings at home to your to your wife. And she can really do uh, give you this space, and sometimes it's not easy, because also sometimes women would, would be judgmental about those feelings. Would, she wants to see this strong man who is providing, who's holding himself, who's not really, you know, uh, being emotional, and because that's also an image that it was there for decades, how men looks like. So, I'm not trying to give men credits, but like, this is exactly what we, what we have. Um, so, we have been taught, yeah, we have been taught and learned uh, that this is the way that we provide and we keep our homes happening, like uh, have kids and raise them and so on. So we don't have a room to express our feelings and to feel that this is okay. And uh, I'm sure like even like, you know, going back home and my wife would tell me, yeah, yeah, it's okay, express your feelings. And I'll be a bit like suspicious, like, are you sure about that? like do you really want me to see it? yeah, it's a trap <laughs> um so so that's that's what I'm saying is 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 it's just a fine line uh like and it happens with men too, when they play the father or the mother for for the for their wives, where they take responsibility to fix what's going on with the other person, which is this is actually not helping him. You are taking this opportunity and responsibility for him to grow um, and be a man or be a, a grown-up man and, and be partners rather than uh, um, a mother and a father. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you.
3: I've been divorced for 10 years and I was not able to get into a relationship again since it was very it's very difficult for me and part of my healing journey I discovered that I exact I do that exactly and no I had a very strong father figure he was like a larger than life kind of father and which is beautiful to have as a daughter but then it leaves you with something um, very damaging, actually. And no, you hold all men to a certain pedestal. And that pedestal is really not there. And it's very unfair. So this is something that I have done, and I've realized that, I, that I've been doing. Um, and taban, now that I'm able to vocalize, it's, it feels like such a weight that's lifted off of me, and I'm grateful for that. But I I never allowed any man, be it a friend, um, a husband, uh, a brother, to actually feel anything because it scared me. Why did it scare me? It scared me because, okay, uh, I'm the one who's supposed to feel everything. Why are you feeling? You're supposed to be strong. Again, back to the definition of strength, the the, the the really toxic strength where, well, you can be vulnerable and strong. That's I mean, It's not one or the other. But zoptima. Uh, exactly, exactly how a man would hold his wife accountable to fixing him or taking care of him as a mother, a wife would actually do the same thing where she would hold him in a father figure, where she would require from him to be strong and... Um, Not strong, like, (laughs) to to feel nothing all the time because merely a man feeling anything, for me, was
0: very scary, right?